0: And welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is your 40k podcast that focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I am your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and for today's episode, we're going to be talking about those missions that haven't changed in a couple years now, and that is the ITC Champions missions, those good old missions, tried and true, that I think most people are sick of and want to change about. Anyways, That's the main topic. We have a lot of articles and uh, talking heads talking about the ITC missions, and in this environment, I think it's uh, great to open up a discussion to talk about uh, mission uh, and game theory and the ITC missions and uh, what we can do to change them. So, with me, I have, of course, regular co-host, Skari. Hello, I was uh, here last week. I'm just making
1: sure I'm here this week as
0: well. (laughs) Uh, we also brought uh, Mr. Salty John, who has uh, some experience with the ITC missions. Just a little bit. And then finally, we have uh, the controversy maker, Steve, <laughs> the mean, Pam Preen. Yep, uh, you're all wrong, and uh, I have the only right way to do it. Exactly. All right. Uh, the reason why I brought these three on is they are all tournament ITC tournament organizers, Specifically, also Salji John, special nod to being a senior judge, although I would probably (laughs) argue that you're the head judge at the LVO, but uh, senior judge, and no disrespect to Adam, I think you guys are co-head judges, but that's not the point. He's senior judge slash head judged the LVO for multiple, multiple years, and is by far the closest thing we have to a level three alpha judge in the community. (laughs) Nice. So he knows he knows a little bit about the ITC emissions. And then Skari has been around the block, has hosted multiple tournaments, as has Steve Pamperine, who also released a community proposal change, community ch- proposed changes to the ITC emissions. And he took the time to ask multiple top-level players and come up with a nice little document that shits on all of our hard work
2: that we put in. I want to say
0: thank you for making it look so official and confusing <laughs>
1: very, very many people.
3: Yeah, my my absolute favorite part of that was uh, some, uh, I think it was Tom Gilbert, who's apparently a TO in China, saying that all of his players had seen it and thought it was official and refused to listen to him and translated it. And oh, I thought no. that was ridiculous until I saw, <laughs> I swear to God, Chinese comments like in Chinese (laughs) characters on the document.
0: And I was like, I've made it. This is, this is official. (laughs) Um, That is pretty epic. Yeah. One thing I really love about uh, our community is that um, it, it really is more local based in the, in the sense that uh, you do have pockets of people like that who, you know, kind of revolve around one TO or one local community leader. uh, And then it kind of trickles up from there to us. And oftentimes, um you know, running these super majors or, or kind of uh, being the ITC overlords as uh, as some people might call us, uh, it does it is a little harder to see you know where the average 40k player or 40 ITC 40k player is, where they stand, what they look at, what their viewpoints are. Um, and so that's kind of the this the point of opening this discussion. Um, I would love to hear all of your comments in the comment sections below on YouTube on frontlinegaming.org. Or anywhere Facebook uh, and just kind of just give out your general feedback although we do ask politely uh, don't email us with your ITC uh, mission change feedback um, we're getting bombarded with it right now uh, we are <laughs> we are <You're> welcome Bob. <laughs> tons of them uh it, it's and it, it's it, I don't I mean this in the most respectful way uh but you know when we get like little Timmy little Johnny little Freddy uh you know, emailing us the same thing over and over and over—the same change. Like we get it, but uh, it does get a bit overwhelming. Um, so, if you really, really have something and you want to uh, give some feedback, pass it on to a local TO or one of our ITC regional reps. Uh, that would be awesome. Don't don't bring me into this, Pablo. Like <laughs> I have, a, you know. Then
1: then I'm gonna get all the emails. They'll be yeah. like. Send it to Sky. No, that's okay. If anybody right. has any information that he'd like forwarded to Frontline Gaming, I could filter it for you.
0: Yes. I also. <laughs> that's would, something like that.
3: Uh, I want a correction on the record here, and that uh, you introduced me as a TO. I barely qualify. I judge the teams at Adepticon, which is. Let me tell you, it's a low
0: standard. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> uh,
2: so a guy but- that barely qualifies as a T.O. made that document? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Um, I would say Wonderful. my
3: qualifications as finishing 6th overall in the ITC is probably a stronger uh, recommendation for my ability to write that document than uh, my judging the team tournament
0: at a, a <laughs> tournament that doesn't use the ITC Fair submissions. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, before we move on, well, we do have some uh, normal announcements and Upkeep. First and foremost, if you want to check us out and uh, frontlinegaming.org. Head over there, buy FLG mats, buy terrain, all that good stuff. You can also support the podcast by heading over to patreon.com/chaptertactics. Uh, we give a lot of good stuff away to patrons. Um, there's a lot of support. They get to answer, ask us questions that we answer at the end of every episode. Uh, and then finally, um, to take things on a little heavier note, uh, there was a story that was given to me this morning uh, by a member of a community in the Midwest. Um, and it, it really it really touched me and it really showed me to what lengths people go to support each other in this community. So this Saturday, there's going to be an RTT in the Midwest hosted in honor of Cheryl Matheson. Uh, Cheryl is a fixture of the Midwest 40K scene, the tournaments and hobbying. And uh, for the last few years, she's been in a battle with cancer. The community's rallied around her, they've supported her through GoFundMes, uh, through charity raffles, and and more importantly, they've given her an outlet, you know, uh, via 40k tournaments and via community to escape from the shitty hand that she was dealt. Uh, Something that I think we all can relate to in some degree. Uh, I know... 40k for me was definitely a community that I needed uh when it did roll around and I can only imagine the amount of peace and comfort that it's given her especially with all these wonderful amazing people that that's been going on for a few years and uh recently her health has taken a turn for the worse and she's preparing to lose that battle with cancer. And so she was just admitted into hospice care in January, according to her GoFundMe page. And right now, the community is going to host this la- this last RTT, her last RTT. And it- it's all centered around uh, fun objectives where she gets to move random units and uh, it's all in celebration of her what what she means to them as a community and it's just it's a really good feel good story and it just shows how how important a local community can be to any single individual uh so i just wanted to share that story with you i know it's it's a little it's it's very emotional um i feel like it's it's a bittersweet story and if you would like to Support Cheryl if you'd like to support uh, her family and and um, donate at all. I will link a GoFundMe link to the show notes, and just uh, remember this. Remember what this community means to multiple people, and we all get what we put into it. So try to you know put a little love into. The community, maybe maybe a little less salt, as we are prone to do as uh, nerdy gamers who get very passionate. And just remember that the the forty k community is capable of so much more good than bad. And that is all. That's I just wanted to share that story. All right, uh, let's talk about what makes our community so great, and that is the ability to come together and complain about. ITC missions and uh, the ITC and how to change it. Um, that is something that I have very much been a part of my entire 40k career um, from the very beginning ever since uh, Reese and Frankie showed me the spreadsheet it took to create the ITC FAQ, which is if you were back in 7th and 6th edition, you'll know um, <laughs> what the ITC FAQ was. It was the definitely nightmare a daunting. What It was a it was nightmare. Awful. Awful, and this was the day back in the dark days when GW uh, didn't release FAQs, uh, and so we kind of had to get together as a community and argue and talk about what, how to interpret rules, like how many times warp spiders can jump, and uh, <laughs> all. And of then that you put the save.
2: document out, and then the hate on Facebook would rage for days and yes, days. Facebook, <laughs> we were still on DACA in those days. Yeah, well, I'm that was the INAD, about. right? The ITC <laughs> one was. <laughs> I think, I'd, well, I guess DACA was still relevant for a portion of that time. <laughs> hmm. Daca, yeah. DACA? Yes, definitely. And
1: <laughs> But it's, it's, yeah, the FAQs themselves, you know, but the work that was done was very important to keeping, at that time especially, the competitive community alive.
3: Yeah, and it's the reason we have what we have now, because Reese and Frankie managed to get such a stranglehold on the U.S. tournament market. It's what GW finally realized that maybe hey it's worth spending time and money on getting tournament players to like our product so no it's totally worth it really <laughs> glad they went through it
0: I, and their their stock tripled uh, when they went to eighth edition I, <laughs> they
3: started i tried to invest so much in them but because it was foreign i couldn't figure out how to get the market and
0: oh my god i missed out on so much i am oh, so man. disappointing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh Anyways, uh, we're at a point now in the ITC season or the ITC history um, where we don't have as much to worry about in terms of uh, how many house rules, quote unquote, that we put out there to the community. Uh, and It's pretty much just the the champions missions that we have uh, that kind of uh, still we have the most agency over. Um, and it's something that I remember when we switched over the ITC missions from, uh, the, the roles, the, the random maelstrom roles, I think from seventh edition, I think the switch to eighth edition, uh, and every, every time we've come out with ITC missions, there's always been controversy. And there, there's honestly, there's always been controversy around 40K missions in general. Uh, there are multiple camps, there's ETC or I guess WTC now, um, uh, They've got Nova missions, you have Adepticon to do their own thing, you have the ITC, you have GW now uh, jumping into the fray. And there's, With all of these different mission types, uh, you definitely start to see local communities rally around what be- works best for them. And that's super cool. That's uh, that's something that we, we've always promoted at the ITC. However, it does lead to a lot of debates over which mission is best overall or which one is good for the most fun optimization or the most competitive optimization. And what that leads to is talks about game theory and uh, competitive theory, 40k mission theory, uh, it's so much stuff. Um, I have my personal opinions. However, uh, this is not the podcast of Pablo's personal opinions. Um, so I want to actually ask... This is the ask...
3: podcast of Steven's personal opinions.
0: Yes, that's <laughs> why so I brought in guess They can talk about themselves. Uh, so I'm actually going to ask each of you real quick um, just uh, two basic questions. First, what is your preferred mission? Uh, in, not just it currently, but maybe in the past. Your preferred mission set, the, maybe the one that you enjoyed the most. Uh, the one that if you had to make uh, 40k missions from scratch, that's where your baseline would be. Uh, and then two, right now, where do you stand with the way the ITC missions are? Uh, and I'm going to start with Skari this time. because He's talked the least. Pablo, he just said he's going AFK. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Sorry, is AFK. Uh, anyways, we're going to start with Mr. Steve Pamperen then. Okay. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, so uh, my favorite mission... I used to really like the, the Nova missions. I do remember enjoying them a while ago um, in like 7th edition. So that was one of the first big tournaments I went to. But I think right now my favorite mission... Um, is actually mission six of the ITC packet, and uh, skipping it a little bit. That's what I really tried to um, use that as a base for when I was d- redesigning the, uh, the the missions packet this time. Um, proposing a redesign. Excuse me. I can't. I'm not official. Don't even try to guess that. Uh, so. I really like it because um, the ability to hold center objectives. There's always going to be a center objective because of the the arrangement of it. So the person holding the center of the board is always going to be holding, always going to be getting hold more, which is not always the case in other missions. And if they're holding it securely, they're going to be holding it with characters, which means they're going to be getting a bonus point. So there's a lot of really, really um, important matches that ended up going the way they wouldn't have if there were any other mission because of that. I'm going to reference specifically John Lennon versus Manny Chima, the sixth round of LVO. Uh, John Lennon put an invulnerable character Leviathan Dreadnought, which I don't know if that should be totally legal, but it did (laughs) what it did. And it stood in the center well two Chaplain Dreadnoughts, also characters, stood on the other two objectives and you know and this is uh this is what they were playing long ways, so Manny hid his whole artillery park right behind a building and couldn't kill the Leviathan, and then they just traded on primary, um, you know, with John getting one kill and hold more and a bonus and getting up by one while Manny was just getting a hold one and maybe a kill one. Um, I think actually he stopped getting kill them because he tabled John except for those three models by turn two. So yeah, that is an example of someone winning while holding the table instead of winning with killing. So I would really like to give the opportunity for players to win that way in all of the missions, not just mission six.
0: I forget what your second question was. The second question was uh, (laughs) How do you feel right now about the ITC missions as they stand? How do they
3: feel about them as they stand? Um, I think that they're really there's there's a lot of uh, randomness to how they're created that people don't necessarily appreciate uh, until they've played a lot. Um, and I think that there's probably not many people who have played nearly as much as me and the guys that I talked to when redesigning it. Uh, and so we had kind of played enough to see those bad matches, which generally resolve around an army that just has to stand in its deployment zone to get a hold, like to tie on hold and win Killmore, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, he's just going to stay on his side of the table, and then he's going to still win on the primary mission, despite me holding the rest of the map. Um, so I think that's kind of one of the biggest issues in the ITC right now, and was something that I really tried to address in my proposed changes.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so uh, before we, before I uh, put the same question to John and Skari, uh, I do have one quick question for you. And Do you think that adding more depth in the form of uh, characters... Um, scoring you a bonus point or maybe something like uh, Big Guns Never Tire, old 7th, 6th edition mission where heavy support options were a big deal. Do you think adding that kind of depth to missions is good overall or is it just very specifically this mission with the uh, I with think the it's good
3: overall. Um, I wish I could have come up with something as good as the, the character hold for 3 and I, I tried to do some with holding for multiple... Uh, uh, battlefield roles, but I'm not convinced on that. I haven't, I haven't tested that out. But I really think that there, it would be really fascinating if you could have fun, characterful ways of getting the bonus that involved holding more objectives, you know, than your opponent, or holding, you know, half or more of the objectives with some sort of additional twist. I, I, I really love that mission, so I would love to, to spread that to the rest of them.
0: Okay, perfect. Okay, uh, we'll go to Scary now. Um, so Scary, uh, same question. and I know you were AFK for this. Uh, the first question is. What uh, is a mission set, either current or past mission set, that you've always gravitated towards, you really like, uh, and you would maybe even use as a baseline for missions if you had to make 40k missions from scratch now? Uh, And then second question, how do you feel currently about how ITC missions stand right now as they are?
1: That's a great question. I'm pretty sure everybody out there is saying, you know, oh, I'd say I'd like this one, I like that one. Personally, I like the ETC or WTC format. So, formerly ETC format, the uh, combination of both Maelstrom, uh, kill points, uh, end game, and progressive all mix into one mission. There's just a lot of. It's a little bit more paperwork in terms of figuring out all the points that you get. However, I feel it's a it's a much much more in depth um, mission format that allows you to leverage the strengths of your army versus the weaknesses. As for the ITC format, um, so you repeat that last part of the question because I got really intense on this ETC thing, WTC now, but
0: I mean, uh, and I completely forgot what you asked. For I forgot point. as well, Scary. Yep. Uh, so the second question is the ITC, uh, how, did, how did the ITC mission stand mm, okay, to you? Perfect. Yeah, yeah
1: now i remember thank you very much pablo Hmm. uh the itc missions are excellent and the reason i say they're excellent is because they have appealed to an audience that is global and it's very easy to plug the itc mission format into your local rtt or your like, big major, or your mega major, whatever your event is, anywhere in the world, and you can have the same mission format, and everybody sort of knows what the format is. It kills something, it's, and it's very simple to follow, and, and all that good stuff. So I think they are excellent. They do feel a little bland without switching them up over time. So if you do it over and over and over, it eventually becomes very monotonous and robotic, I find, where the same sort of matchups or the same sort of missions on the same sort of deployments end up giving you the same sort of game every single time. If you're an experienced player, you can be like, OK, so i deployed like this and then first turn this happens against space marines, or this happens against, you know, anything else. Right. Hmm. And it makes it a little harder for sort of that that nuance of gameplay. Because you if you have experience, that's fantastic. You just sort of stick to your plan that you've been doing for for all the time that you've been playing the missions. It does mm-hmm. reward experience. The secondary that's I love the the secondary picks. I feel like um some of them never get used and that's a problem, right? And that could just be the state of the game at the moment. But I do feel that, that could be something that looked at interesting and um and last but not least it's important to note that the first rule of the itc is you can do whatever you want essentially and then record your scores as an itc tournament so you can play book missions at your local store or wtc missions or master missions, or whatever you want, or homebrew crazy narrative missions, and and make it a competitive event that is scored by the ITC. The thing being that big events like LVO and BAO and some of these mega events use the specific ITC mission format, sort of encourages players to want to practice to get better for these big events.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, John. I feel like they, I feel like the ITC missions got it off a little easy by these two so same <laughs> questions uh, mm-hmm. first of course uh what are <laughs> what is your favorite mission set from past or present uh one that you would use as a baseline for creating a custom mission set if you had to right now and then of course how do you feel about the itc missions
2: as they stand in their current form so my favorite set of missions i really enjoyed the seventh edition missions for itc um with the exception of the relic which i think everybody hated yes but uh i really enjoyed playing those um when they did the first bay area open for eighth um and we didn't have new itc missions yet i got to rewrite them to make the match eighth and i really enjoyed that because it was like the last ride for my favorite mission set um my favorite mission set i would use to if i had to start from scratch i would probably use the chapter approved 2019 missions As a beginning point, if we're going to start from scratch, because GW's put a lot of work into writing better missions. So I understand most people just read the 8th edition rulebook and how those missions work and wrote wrote it off because they were bad. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue that those missions were good. So when you go and look at chapter proof 2017, it's not any better. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and, and 2018 was a little better and then I think 2019 they, they really put some good effort into it I really like them um, I would love to see a mix again of, of Eternal Wars and Maelstrom's together um, just because then you can get a game that's lo- uh, less static um, and like I was say- I said in my Frontline Gamer article it's, it's less strategic and more tactical at that point um, but I also don't think that like Necessarily going full bore and using the deck is a good idea because then you have one more aspect people can game. So the the chart that you can roll on is a good idea. Um, I think when it comes to designing from the ground up, that it might be time for us to go back to what we did before, which was the original ITC missions were kind of a mix of what already existed and our own ideas rather than just our own ideas. Um, uh, part of that is there's a much bigger disconnect now between the competitive community and the non-competitive community um, although a lot of the non-competitive people in my area play itc missions uh, i still see them plenty of times with their chapter proof books open and playing and in our leagues sometimes they don't want to join the leagues out of intimidation of the fact that we all play this itc set which is so different and more oriented towards players that are you know, tournament players or um, what they view as just like more serious players. When in reality, like, I don't take our league seriously at all. You can look at my scores for the leagues from last season. I don't, I I just kind of play and do what I want and test stuff out and have a good time. Um, But they think of it as, um, as being overly competitive just because of that mission set. So, you know, competitive players and casuals are, very opposed like diametrically opposed and what makes a good mission. Um, so for somebody like Steven's level, you know, who finished what sixth overall or something in the ITC, um, somebody of his level is going to get, uh, have a totally different idea of what makes a mission good than somebody who maybe only plays local RTT. Sometimes might make a trip to a GT. Uh, maybe they get mid tier level tables at a major at some point, uh, and they want to play, but they want to play with everybody else, but they're not necessarily like super hardcore competitive. And so they're going to have a different idea of what makes a mission good. Mm. Um, and then the second question I believe was
0: what? So before we get to the second question, I think you brought up a really good point that I have a question, an extra question to you about. And this, I, I think your angle is, uh, as I'm understanding it, is that if we incorporated chapter approved 2019 missions uh, into the ITC missions or, or some sort of hybridization or whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, That would maybe increase familiarity and bridge the gap between casuals and competitive players.
2: Yeah, it could help create a situation where you get, you know, you get a larger influx of players that want to play who, you know, they are coming from a situation where they only play the missions out of the books. Or their friends only want to play those missions out of the books. And they will have not as difficult a time adapting. So you might be able to grow the competitive community even more. I mean, it's already growing. It grows every year, but we are going to eventually run into a wall and you want to a- encourage more people in, you mm-hmm. know, um, and I do understand the the resistance to uh, randomness being involved with things like uh, maelstrom missions. But again, like you don't have to use the deck and it's nowhere near as random as when they started, and that's what people always were like, no, I don't want that because it's too random. Even I was like, no, this is stupid, I don't want that, that's too random. You did uh, make but me put go re in the, mechanics the rules. For, <laughs> What are
3: you saying? You did make me go re-rule the maelstrom and <laughs> be like, alright, what are all these people
2: talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people You like, <laughs> it, even in the thread on Facebook, I was like, man, the number of people who did not bother to read the new missions. I, yeah, and they're I started just I, commenting is crazy. I and saw you, that, uh, and
3: then I f- I felt bad, and I went and read them, and then commented and said you were stupid. Uh,
0: the
1: absolutely. new the new the new schemes of war is one of the like one of the funnest like most entertaining ways to play the game. I will okay. say.
0: All right. Um, well, I think we should definitely talk about those. Uh, but real quick, John, the last question was: I uh, how do you feel about the ITC champions missions as they stand right now?
2: Uh, I think they're tired. I think that they need some type of uh, revitalization. Um, I really don't like the fact that you have uh, hold, hold more, kill, kill more as the only primaries. I would like to see kill more dropped to make the game more focused on holding objectives. Uh, I would like to see some more variety put in for secondaries. Um, I think that if we can do that, then they'll at least be able to make it through this season without people feeling like, oh, this is tired and stayed and we've done this and we've seen this. Um, but at the same time, like I don't want to see the primaries change so much that they are unrecognizable unless you were going to go towards something that is more recognizable, like something that already exists in the, the core rules. Mm-hmm. Um, the the problem is I think that people are very used to it at this point because we had to, out of the gate with ITC and 8th edition, start over, basically, and build our own missions. Um, so it's difficult to get people to agree to, like, dial backwards because they're going to view it backwards as not progress, whereas in reality, going back towards more closer to what we were before could be progress in the correct direction.
0: Mm. I agree. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and move on to the, the ITCTO group uh, specifically. Um, now, now, this is normally taboo. We're not supposed to talk about uh, what's going on in this group and all that. And for those of you who are not in the know, there's a special uh, face, hidden Facebook group where uh, ITC TOs can uh, get together and talk about uh, the direction we want to take the ITC in um, the TO questions, rules questions. Um, and in, in this particular case, we talk we're talking about the ITC missions. Now, i did get the okay from the head boss reese uh to talk about this (laughs) mostly because they were already leaked uh so uh, and we want to get as many uh, eyeballs in front of these as possible so uh, essentially there's um six or five goals uh that uh, we're focusing on in particular in the itc uh that are kind of like questions or, or uh conversation starters for all of you out there to think about uh and they're kind of Basically, what we're asking ourselves when we're, when we're changing the ITC missions, uh, so I'm going to name them all, and then we can we're going to talk about them a little bit, and then I want to go into Steve's uh, community proposal and compare and contrast everything. So, uh, first one is, um, and this is this is uh, not one of the goals, but something uh, that we started decided is that uh, with the new deployment style, uh, we're probably going to be going with the all new deployment style. Uh, Which is agreed upon by everyone, and that's the. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. That's the uh, the deploy first with the no C's and all that stuff, right? The
3: like. um, Yeah, so it's basically what's used in missions two, four, and six right
0: now, except no Mm -hmm. C's. With no C's. Yeah. Which, uh, as a side note, the initiative I've hated since I started playing 40K. I'm so glad the community seems to be trying to move away from C's initiative. I mean, as a Raven Guard player, it's
3: great, because now I can just <laughs> put my scouts out. I don't even need to worry about it. But
0: uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that is actually something to consider when you're designing missions, too, is... Uh, is by removing C's, how do you, how do, what armies that hurt? I was trying to get him to consider it, Pablo. Don't, don't you worry. You Uh, know what? If we design, (laughs) if we focus on designing the mission, anyways, we'll talk about that. That's (laughs) that's good mission theory to think about when you're, when you're, uh, especially from the ground up designing, um, which is, which is how I prefer to design things. But anyways, um, second, first goal, uh, we're looking at updating some of the less popular secondaries uh, or dropping or adding some uh, and also, uh, the bigger the bigger part of that goal is the uh, talking about the idea of making categories of secondary. So, uh, the example Reese gave was an aggressive or defensive secondary, uh, where people have to pick a specific type of secondary, or class of secondary. Uh, this is something I really personally like. Um, but the, the idea is, is that if you uh, are currently picking your missions you can skew all of your secondaries so that all you pick are aggressive secondaries or passive secondaries uh and so with that one basically you would have to pick one you'd have to pick an aggressive secondary you'd have to pick a passive secondary so if your army's not focused so much on on killing any unit on the board Ah, uh, you still have an aggressive secondary or kill focus secondary that you have to deal with. Uh, I like that idea. Uh, what are your all of your thoughts on that? Starting with anyone's roundtable. I don't think that's so le- necessary.
1: That's okay. So <laughs> secondaries themselves definitely need a rework. I think that the 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 active and passive secondaries is a very important thing to sort of like distinguish, and I think it should definitely reward people for. Pro- there should be some sort of secondary that's that's progressive. But also, like, objective-based, you know, other than just hold more? Because some armies just have a hard time, like, being, like, killing certain armies. So it should, you know, not just, I don't know, be a killing match or whatever. Or it should be, but, I, like, maybe not as skewed in a lot of ways.
3: I think that's more of a primary question, though, Scary, not necessarily on the secondaries.
1: I guess it could be either,
2: and, or.
0: I never liked the idea of primary, secondary, and tertiaries. Like, just... Oh man, Pablo. Yeah, the problem is when you
2: use the term primary, everybody always thinks, okay, well, these are the most important. Right. Whereas I would argue that the secondaries are actually more important, because choosing your secondaries poorly loses you the game more often than you could score, like, every primary, but if you suck at doing your secondaries, your opponent can win. Yeah. Like, I think that uh, when it comes to the secondaries, the Aggressive and passive, or aggressive and defensive, however you want to say it, forcing people to choose specific types isn't necessarily bad as long as you have the correct number of secondaries that are actually um, good. You know, mm-hmm. like if you don't design them properly and then all of a sudden there's a, a, a five passive secondaries that suck, but every one of the aggressive ones are great, well, then the, there's. Yeah, yeah, I would, have, the I would agree passive. with that, John.
3: Yeah. I think that's, you know? that's a lot more important than labeling them or categorizing them i i I mean when we run like learn how to play stuff at the local shop and or talking to newer players it's always like well how do you pick your secondaries and it's always like oh well you kind of pick one easy hold and and then one good kill and then whichever one is easier if they have a second good kill like it kind of naturally already filters that way so i don't know if it's totally necessary to make an additional step of things to keep track of um, especially when this is supposed to be like the most accessible possible rules
0: um <clears throat> okay so uh the next goal is um the our the idea of moving or looking at and considering uh going down to five turns uh now this this was met with a lot of backlash from the TL group and the community as a whole uh but it raises a bigger question which is the idea of a timed game or competitive fairness via time uh and kind of m- making the game have a little bit more integrity, um, especially from a viewing standpoint or from a competitive standpoint. So uh, what are your guys' thoughts on going to five turns, lowering time rounds, uh, just making it more manageable in that, that, those regards?
1: So five rounds, I think, I don't know. I don't think it it works with forty k at the moment. Like you know, every time I played games that were random game length and it like ended on turn five, it was I don't know. It was either really it was either really good or really bad. There was just no in between. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) What What do you think about maybe lowering the points values?
1: That I agree Uh, with.
0: mm, Okay. All right.
1: I think that Uh, the game is its most balanced at around fifteen hundred points.
2: You, John, and Steve, I'd be fine with 1500, 1850. 2000 is fine too. I think, I mean, restricting it to, to five turns is silly considering turn six is always like a formality, anyways. Like, if your game's gone to turn six, you're probably fine. Neither one's going to take that long, anyways. Um, a really, really close game can have a turn six that takes a little while, but like, when you watch, let me just watch the, the LVO or the BAO streams or any of the big ones, like. Turn sixes don't take long. No. Um, I think the, the the real problem that people want to solve is games not finishing, which is more a problem of, well, how do you incentivize players to finish the game? And then that's difficult because if you do something like uh, what we used to do locally, which was if you don't get to turn four, both players get a loss. And then you get the opposite. Uh, you get the reaction of, well, if you do that, then how can you possibly police somebody being like, well, I don't like this guy. So I'm just going to make sure we don't get to turn four and both take a loss out of spite. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Um, that's, that's immediately where a power gamer goes in their mind, which is, well, fine. Then I'll just say, screw this guy. And I'm just going to make sure that we both lose, you know Um, which is a totally valid uh, criticism to that idea. But if the idea is that you want games to finish making the game shorter, I don't think is going to do that when most of the games that need to finish are the ones that aren't finishing because they're finishing on four, not because they're finishing on five.
3: We need to make the game shorter by a turn by removing turn one, not six. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, No, I, I, I don't know. I, I generally agree. I, I think it's, I think, uh, I think it's good to ask the question. It's always good to start off the season being like, "Hey, how are we doing on time?" And I think everyone kind of just said generally good. Uh, leave it alone. I think the uh, so.
1: addition of like more of chess clocks becoming more less like stigmatized totally, in the meta, totally agreed. I yeah. think I think really has helped people finish their games.
2: Yeah, and we've also made some updates to the rules throughout the season to try to mitigate the gaming of the clock to make sure that the game does end and doesn't end and the problem with the chess clocks are the more rules you put in, the more holes people find <laughs> to use them. Um, there's always going to be bad actors who don't act with fidelity when it comes to the rules of how to use that tool, uh, but I think in general, yeah, more more exposure to the clock as a tool that we use is ultimately going to be better in terms of making games uh, end on time. Yeah, I mean,
3: I know I've been fairly ruthless in a few cases of the clock and been on the receiving end of it too, and I would still much rather have that happen occasionally than yes. have five round games.
2: So yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. All right, now the next uh, goal that we're, everyone's kind of looking at is the um idea of uh making it so that the main mission pack has uh 9 missions or more than 6 current missions. And so uh the idea here is to increase diversity, uh may- it maybe even opens up room so that you have uh a hybrid of five or four chapter approved, you know, based missions or themed missions for original ITC based missions or modified missions whatever. Uh, or maybe for like Nova-style missions or WTC missions or whatever. Uh, the idea of just expanding the main pack uh, and maybe removing numbers so that they're not obviously numbered by round. Uh, and then just letting you kind of, the HTO pick and choose something, uh, that is an, an option as well. Um, and then the goal would be to deviate from the main missions, kill, kill more, hold, hold more, uh, and give people more primary mission uh, diversity uh what do you what are you thinking about what do you think about that Uh,
3: i think you should add if you did that i would be i would love that be too super cool um i would love to see another whole set of six though not another set of three because with this uh with the intent of having nine missions is the idea that you can play a different mission every round of a nine round tournament but if you did that i would feel like there would be a lot of gaminess to playing six rounds ITC and then walking into day three all of a sudden playing Maelstrom. Uh, and I know some folks be like, oh, well, you have to be able to do everything and you know be ready for everything. But I feel like it's a lot more akin to being like, oh, the finals of the NBA have 11-foot hoops. Let's watch them look silly. Like That's kind of how I think the effect would actually be. So I would really be against of having multiple types of mission in the same or very very different missions in the same tournament, but if you wanted to add another set of six, and it'd be one tournament would have Eternal War or Maelstrom, and one would have you know regular champs packets, kind of like we have now. I, I think that'd be awesome.
1: I personally feel a lot like you there, Pemperin. Where um, you know if I think that the main mission pack should have at least nine, because it does get to a point where, especially if you're playing one through six. If you know you're, you if you can, if you're playing a nine mission, uh, like a nine round tournament, you can make sure you build a list that's really good at mission, you know, three and mission six. So you make sure you get to the final day, and you make sure that you are really good at that last mission that you know you're going to be playing on the last day. So it's really cool to have like you have to be good at all nine missions, but I also agree don't don't change the dynamic between the missions too much, like the old i d c missions are still ones that can be played with they're still available for download, and you know they're they're just not called the championship missions, so you know either promoting them a little bit more or using them as a framework for a new set of you know secondary championship missions or something like that, or maybe do it in leagues do like missions for the fall and missions for the summer or something like that.
2: That'd be pretty cool, I like that. Yeah, that would be fun. It would be automatic variety for the the season if you did that. Uh, I do think that whatever set you use should have nine since the trend is for longer tournaments and you have a lot more tournaments now that go nine rounds. Um, it's important to have that structure in place to support those people who want to do the nine-round tournaments um, without having to go and double up on missions. Uh, plus, for the players, like it's always fun to play more stuff rather than the same thing over and over and over again. Um, The only thing I would not like about that is if you did it so that 1 through 9 were always played as 1 through 9 because if there's like 400 truly competitive players in the world, right? There's 13,000 players in the ITC. That means that there's several thousand players that are not going to play missions (laughs) uh, 7 through 9 unless they're like, you know, practicing. And then the other going to feel like, well, why should I ever practice these missions? I'm never going to make that. Um, So I think it'd be cool to add those extra missions, but then not do a number system. Um, Yes. Or do or do or mix them up or something. I don't know. Or like because even if you just put them in order, people are automatically going to say that one's number one. You know. Um, But I think it would be cool to do that, but make sure that it's clear that like, hey, it's really cool if you mix these up for your players because. If you only ever do one through nine, there's going to be players who never get to play seven through nine because that's just the reality of it. Like there are players who are always going to be middle tables, low tables, and they're
1: going been... to five round events that do five round, like five. Or you missions. go to five round events. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like we have a, we have a local uh, GT. We have two local GTs that are five rounds. Like, do I want all 10 of those rounds that I play in to only be missions one through five? If there's nine missions, no, absolutely don't. I would I would much rather be able to go to those two GTs locally and play like one through five, and then play like uh, five through nine, right? You know, uh, so to play Devil's Advocate a little bit,
0: um, to Steve in particular, uh, and uh, Scary to an extent, the there already are you know eighteen twenty four, you know, you know four or five six mission pack packs. To choose from uh that no one's just choosing uh so where is the merit of adding it 12 missions to the itc mission pack or the main pack um when there's already that option
3: how many of those packs
0: can you name off the top of your head nova wtc itc champs missions chapter approved 2019 rulebook eternal war which no one's going to use uh yeah, five. That's uh, thirty missions right there, and I know I'm missing a ton. <laughs> you could do Adepticon, you could do Warzone Atlanta mission packs. But All of those are six missions.
3: online off of the Frontline ITC website, like there are extra download... steps. Is my point? You can
0: download like five of them, but uh, you can download like four or five of them. Though I get your point. Yeah. Um, I understand your point.
3: It's I. I mean the the ITC is it's it's recognizable as the. Calling uh, something honestly as small as a uh, organizational wise a monopoly um, is seems a little silly, but honestly it's true. They have the they have the name recognition and the forty k circuit, and you know it's it's just kind of right. the reality of it. I, I think it'd it'd be it'd be fine if they if they wanted to add other stuff, but i I would also love to just see three more missions that had unique ways to score bonus and different arrangements of objectives and just had the same thing. Like yeah. I think that would be a lot easier and and Also, just much more consistent, um, and avoiding that whole, like, oh, once you get to day three, you're playing in a whole new tournament with different rules, but you have the same army
0: list, good luck. Uh, So, What I wish TOs would do is just get all the missions... All forty or fifty or whatever hours you could find them. and just <laughs> randomly draw them at the beginning of the at the beginning of the tournament, and be like, "Okay, these are the missions." See, we're See, I, I would actually, I wouldn't mind that if, if it was if it was set all like at the beginning,
3: right? You know, and you're like, "Yeah, okay. yeah," like and you and you have no idea because then it, you're you're all equally prepared. Uh, yeah, but, or, or you do it like two weeks out or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? that w- that would be kind of fun, but I don't know if I'd like to go. You know, spend a thousand bucks and travel across the country and be like, "All right, I'm playing a mission where I lose if I bring." Heavy support, and I have eighteen Smasher guns, so that was yeah. fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. They, penalizing someone for bringing a specific army shouldn't like just be built into the mission pack. I feel like uh, to the mission itself, I feel like it could also it in the secondaries do a good job of that.
0: You are you're transitioning just a little early, Scary. Uh, uh, a really man. that is a really great point that we will absolutely get back to. I promise. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, final. Uh, final. The final two goals are uh, both really quick. Um, first is talk about offering up alternate mission sets with Maelstrom specifically in mind. Uh, th- the reason why this is a big deal to those of you in the EU listening, wondering why even bringing up Maelstrom missions is a big deal, that's because here in the U.S., you know, across the pond, we have a very large hatred for Maelstrom missions as a whole. <laughs> um... So the idea of switching to Maelstrom missions is something that is not popular, as uh, you know we saw uh, recently in a couple articles, uh, and also it is it's a very foreign idea. Uh, the U.S. Are, and, and Canada to an extent, basically um, everywhere that there's not Maelstrom missions already, uh, i.e. the ETCWTC setup in particular. Um, there isn't a lot of Maelstrom missions, and so there's not a lot of familiarity with them, which I think was put on full showcase in John's article, specifically in the comments section. So, uh, what do what do you what do you think about uh, offering up uh, Maelstrom as just an entire new mission set, like uh, that's like an official ITC mission set, but it's the Maelstrom mission set? Uh, and offering like maybe another set of nine missions or something how does how does that sound to you or do you think they should just be incorporated into the main champions missions
1: i th- i think that there should be an option uh to include them into the championship missions i don't know like i feel like just adding them in just
3: adds variety, personally. That's, that's my fault. I just don't like the numbered objectives. It's such a little thing, I know, but it just drives me nuts that the fact that I have five things and, you know, six objectives in my bag, and then they're labeled 1, 2, 4, 4, 5, 6. So I'm like, oh, well, I guess I can't play this mission. I have to label one of these four as a three so I can just... I know it's a small thing, but, God, it just drives
2: me nuts. Yep. Um, I think there's a couple of options that you can do to make it playable uh, and palatable to those players who don't want to involve randomness in their game. So one is um, you could just play the missions, Chapter Proof 2019, but I'm not sure that's the best option. Honestly, I think that the best option would be to take them as the starting point and make sure you incorporate them effectively with the uh, championship missions so that you don't have this problem that, like, uh, Steven is arg- uh, complaining about, where, like, you have the numbered objectives, and you have to hold a certain numbered objective, and it's just a little it's a little clunky. So I, w- um, I would like to see something where, instead of a deck of cards, you have these, the tables, and you roll 3d6, and they're assigned to a table, and that's what you get, and you get one reroll, mm. or something like that. And they could be, the columns could even be, uh, that you roll on or something like one is th- this idea of aggressive, one is defensive. And then the third one is an other option where you have things like, um, the manifestor denies psychic power this turn, or you have things like, um, table quarters might be in, in one of them. So it's, it's, you have all these different options, right? Um, so you could just make it a part of the missions or, uh, which is something we tested this weekend at our local RTT, which is, um, as you could pick as a secondary, to play with tactical objectives. And it was a specific list. And we used a D20 because I hadn't gotten the comment yet that you could use three D6. And so we used the D20 to generate three times. So I just rolled three D20 um, on the chart. And you could take that, but then you didn't get to pick any other secondaries. So your secondaries were this, this, this chart that you rolled on and you could get a max of 12. Um, and a bunch of us used it all weekend for the three games and played it. And it was a lot of fun. It was very random, but the randomness was not necessarily a detriment to all the players. There was a couple of players who were like, yeah, it kind of screwed me in one game, but it was really good in another one. Um, In all three of my games, I I said I would use it in all three no matter what, and I did. And uh, I found it enjoyable. Um, My games were closer than they normally would be. Um, I won one by one point, 25-24. I had another one I won, I think, 20-something to 16 and I lost my last game to, to Richard Kozar thirty fifteen, um, but that wasn't the Maelstrom missions <laughs> that was fault. Uh, so I think that there's ways we can incorporate it where you give players the options that they want without necessarily having to force everybody to do every single thing, or you can just force everybody to play with Maelstroms. I mean, there's there's options, but I think that finding a middle ground is best. Um, I do get that some the more competitive players are not going to want. The randomness necessarily so if you add it as an option that people can pick as a secondary those people who want to play with them as theirs can do that and other players who have optimized their list for specific secondaries can still choose those secondaries
0: yeah um, <clears throat> I think I think there's the to, to kind of speak my opinion a little bit I think the the thing that I've isolated that is the most enjoyable about the maelstrom missions is the variety uh, in that, uh, maybe not the randomness, but the fact that uh, you have to be dynamic, you have to be able to hold Objective 6, you have to be able to do this other aspect of the game that normally you wouldn't have to focus on, uh, making the gameplay more uh, horizontal uh, and, and a wider and, instead of deeper, right, or instead of focusing on just one strategy. Uh, and, and I think that's part of the reason why it's really appealing and really fun. Uh, it forces people to, in most cases, make more balanced armies, uh, which does not promote spam uh, and and does make games a little more tactically enjoying, uh, in my opinion. It,
2: but anyways. It definitely makes it more open to um, mistakes occurring, and then it also opens it up to leveling the playing field a little bit more between skill sets. Yeah, Simply because the randomness factor means that you have to adjust on the fly, and so those people who are capable of doing that better and have written better lists for doing that, It'll be, it evens the playing field a little bit more, although mm-hmm. it's not going to make it so that, like, you know, Richard Siegler is losing to whoever came in last place in LVO. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it could provide you with a slightly more level playing field yeah. and a more tactical game uh, that's not obviously guaranteed, but that randomness tends to do that. So uh,
0: real quick before I move on to the proposed mission ITC changes uh, that, that Pam's put out, uh, one mission set i really loved that kind of fell by the wayside was i believe the renegade open mission set uh where you essentially mapped out your six turns and your your tw- you had a set pool of objectives that you had to place uh in those set turns and so you only had uh like three kill point three kills for instance and that um after that it was irrelevant something like that a map uh, yeah, it those was those a were a fun. Roadmapper. I remember
3: those from a few years ago. I, I like those ones. I think Adepticon yeah. kind of also used uh, a list of like 20 things that you had to pick for the turn. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, th- there is more bookkeeping uh, but uh, just to give you all an idea of um, uh, there are more options other than just Maelstrom and picking your secondaries. Uh, there there are actually a ton of, of different ways to go about it and I think we'll talk a little bit about about all those at the end or the tail end of the episode. Uh, but for right now, let's go ahead and focus on the proposed changes to the ITC Champions missions. Uh, and, and this is a reason why I want to start with this when it comes to mission design and game theory. Is it it really does a great job, and, and kudos to you, Pamps, um, of highlighting what specifically about certain missions people don't like. Um, and so that's kind of why I want to go into these with that mindset is not necessarily of what's focusing on the changes but why you why you want that change why you wanted to change that secondary for instance or why the uh you changing it to this particular rule appeals to a wider variety of people uh so uh let's go ahead and jump right into it uh the first thing is actually steve i'll I'll let you kind of jump into this um why don't you just go down and uh, give us like a cliff notes of the most important changes, or the ones a controversial, important, or uh, favorites, or whatever or sure, ones that sure. that you want to focus on, and then uh, let's talk about why those changes, why people want to change those that particular aspect of the ITC missions. Uh,
3: so I, I might I might flip it. Uh, I think I'm going to start with uh, my least favorite games of ITC and kind of use that as why I made the changes I did. Um, so, okay. so my least favorite games in ITC are when um, both players have equal amount of objectives in their deployment zones. There's no middle or it's very very difficult to get the middle. So those usually happen on those four objective ones. So say like and you each have two objectives in your deployment zone. There's no middle objective, there's no reason for you to really leave your deployment zone unless you can get all the way over to your opponent's side. And most armies can't really do that very well. Uh, So you end up turning into this just, you each tie on holds, you each hold one, it doesn't really make a difference, and then you're just getting in a killing fight. Uh, And that can be kind of ruinous to a lot of armies that are more MSU focused. Uh, And I really really wanted to avoid having that again. Happening, uh, having that happen in game. So, a few of the rules um, I propose. The, a big one is, basically, if you end up with a deployment like that, uh, you re-roll it. Uh, so, there has to be an objective that cannot be controlled while standing in either opponent's deployment zone. So, that's kind of a the big deal. So if you um you won't be able to play, you know, hammer and anvil on the four objective uh I forget which mission it is, but the four objective four corners basically. Um you just have to re roll it. Uh if it's you know long hammer and anvil as well, you'll have to re roll it. Uh so I know that could be a little annoying. Um I'm sure with a little bit of rewriting I could figure out how to make it into like a D three or something, so you don't have to just keep re rolling. If someone really likes rolling like Dawn of War and one where it's can't happen. Um but I think that's a really big change that should be made uh, so that you don't end up with, with that happening. Um, and then the other one that I really did want to address, the fact that the primary is boring, because that's kind of a really common complaint as well, uh, Is and it's something that I really think that the ITC champs mission have not taken advantage of, is the fact that the bonus could actually be really interesting and really entertaining if we made it. Um, I am not blessed with creativity. Uh, I like to break things, not build them. So I couldn't come up with many. But I think that if we could focus the community on one thing, I think it would be, let's come up with some interesting bonuses that, re- that revolve around holding objectives, holding space on the table, something to that effect, um, so that we can put those in those missions. Because um, that could be something that would be really entertaining. And I know I, I really like the character one, but... Um, I think that's led to a lot of the more interesting games I've played, uh, because it always has a center objective and it always has bonuses that actually matter to the end score. Um, if you know holder can test four, and there's four objectives on the table, the only time bonuses coming up when you're just you know completely wrecking your opponent. So that never made a difference to the game. Uh, so that one, and then as as well as uh, the priority mission one. Um, I changed that one so that instead of you moving your objective six inches, which inevitably means huh, this objective is outside of a building and kind of dangerous and would really suck to stand on out in the open, so I'm just going to move it back inside this building. Uh, yeah. Your opponent is the one who moves it. Uh, so And they can move it 12. So they're like, yeah, no, you're getting out of the building, you're coming out in the open, and we're going to play out here. Um, and I did that as well because there was ways to end up with a deployment zone that you technically couldn't hold it from the deployment zone, but then once you move the priority objectives, oh no, all the objectives are actually in the deployment zone. Um, so with the with the with your opponent being able to move it, ideally then they would move it out in the open, or if they move it into your deployment zone, they're just like calling you out, like yeah, I'm coming at you. Um, The other uh, big change, which isn't a single change, but more of a sweeping set of small changes, uh, was I really wanted to even out secondaries on how difficult they are. So I'm not going to go necessarily into each of the individual changes that I made, um, but I really wanted to make them more equal to each other. Uh, And then this may just be a personal bias, but I got rid of engineers um, because I think that... Um, when I talk about that worst game of 40k that you play which is you know the standing on two opposite sides in the deployment zone and just shooting at each other engineers really helps the army that's just trying to turn every game into that Um, so yeah frankly I, I, I am trying to change the the meta and change how the the armies work I'm trying to avoid having armies sit in their deployment zone and shoot at each other I want them to
2: try to control the board yeah. Then why don't you like the maelstrom where you have to then go across the board and hold other objectives? So because that's literally gonna no. Make no. You engage. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh,
3: it 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 does. Um, the the reason that I disagree with the maelstrom is honestly kind of comes back a little what I consider a competitive army and what I consider not. Um, you know, a lot of people are like oh well, it's competitive, and my way of looking at competitive is you know contender, which means I don't have bad matchups uh, or they're rare or. Um, you know, I can I can play through them, while an army that may be competitive because it always goes four and one, the one match it loses, it always loses. I think it's similar with Maelstrom in that it's random and it is board control, but it can create an unwinnable matchup that you just have no hope in. Uh, and that's been the most frustrating part of when I was playing it because I had to play it for ETC. And the most dominant armies in Maelstrom always ended up being like Nick Rose's like Neo fights which just start on top of you and are just like, I hold all the objectives and there's a zillion of us. And then you're not actually, um, even if you do play that, he still would lose games because his opponent just was like, well, I held my two objectives and I uh, pulled those two four times in a row. So, that was cool. Like, it was just, it It leads to imbalanced games, which become unwinnable due to luck, which is what I really try to avoid. And that's personal bias. Um, that's, I mean, fair enough. Like, I want the person who's more skilled to win more often. Um, that's what I consider to be a competitive game. While sometimes other people consider, you know, or rather, that's what I consider to be fair. Um, other people consider fair to be, you know, how the dice roll, so... Those are those are the changes that I tried to make. Those are the and that's why um, yeah. I also added two secondaries um, to make up for cutting out engineers. Um, one was relic hunters to basically all the new good stuff is getting relics a lot easier. So I made a way to get bonus points off of that, and then. In response to getting rid of engineers, I made one that um, penalized armies for sitting in their deployment zone. Uh, and I'm not totally in love with the mechanics for which it achieved it, so I'm not going to go into it, but I think that there's definitely room for improvement in adding a secondary that penalizes the opponent for standing still.
2: So yeah, I definitely. I, uh, so go ahead, Scar.
1: So I just want to say the Orc player wants the the board control to be important. No, I'm just. I'm, hey, <laughs> uh, I'm a raven guard man. I don't know what you're talking yeah, yeah.
3: about this orc stuff. It's completely That, that orc stuff.
1: That, old, <laughs> that stuff is in your heart, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> you are a green skin through and through. Um, I, I actually really like the the changes that you that you're proposing, or that you proposed. You know, I really like the idea of rewarding players from not just sitting in your deployment zone now i do enjoy the 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 wtc format i love maelstrom and the the reason that i would always fight for it is because games workshop has has kind of thought up of the way in the schemes of war to really mitigate the randomness of the maelstrom which is you you get rid of half of the cards so you have a 16 card deck you um, you pick, you have five in a hand, like a can of poker, and you pick three from your hand to put into play. So they've sort of mitigated the randomness of just randomly picking three cards, right? Now, of course, that's a little unwieldy in a tournament setting, and I like that whole, like, maybe having a chart or something like that as well. Now, as for uh, like, board control, I definitely think there should be some form of, like, progressive objective scoring. Like, not just holding more at the end of the battle round but like i like something that would encourage people to interact more during the game instead of being like look this is my l my army's behind my big l yeah and i'm just gonna like scoot out and shoot get back behind my l or sacrifice one thing and it's gonna die bonus. and then what sorry i think
3: that's got to be bonus um to your point, like that that's gotta be the thing that forces you to get out if we want to keep the current, you know, stand up. I don't have a super good idea for how to create those bonuses, but I think that's where the missions could really be improved.
1: Right. So I just I, I honestly think that that there is a lot of like and and all of us players we all have biases. We want to play this way, we want our army to do this, and that is very understandable. And let me say it is extremely hard to please everyone it's extremely hard to make a mission format that is going to appeal to different types of armies right
2: yeah it's absolutely impossible to make something that everybody will agree on yeah like I I always give this example when I'm when I'm teaching my eighth graders about the US government and how it works and I always say to them I will bring you all ice cream if you can agree on a single flavor <laughs> and they can't do it like, like, it's only a class that's of 30 amazing. kids they can't do it they cannot do it because even if they do vanilla somebody's going to be like I hate vanilla I'm never going to agree to it to make everybody else happy you know because everybody wants their own little thing um, and so that's that's part of what it is with these missions too now to go back to like what we were talking about with Steven's uh, proposals I like um, I really liked the idea that the the bonuses need to be mixed up like some of the bonuses are just dumb. Like what you were saying earlier, like it, it, you're only scoring the bonus. If you're absolutely railroading your opponent in a couple of them, you know? Yeah. And they should be like very unique, cool kind of um, bonuses where it could be something like a character based or there's all kinds of things we could go to yeah. and look at for, I mean, you can get inspiration from, from maelstrom missions for those. those I'd be down you know? for that. <laughs> um, but I think that you're definitely right. Those bonuses should definitely be looked at. As a way of making the missions not only just more, just not not just new, but like make them uh, uh, just to have more variety, you know, from game to game. Not every bonus needs to be based on which objectives you're holding against your opponents holding, and it, it could even make the game more engaging if you do the right bonuses the right way. Um, so, I definitely liked that part of your proposal. Was revamping those bonuses is a really really good idea in my opinion.
3: Uh, I think that's the that was the common thread is that everyone pretty much loved eighty percent of it, and just really disagreed on what that last twenty percent was. <laughs> <clears throat> so but that is okay, you know. Like yeah, I feel yeah. like at
1: least there's a discussion being had about it, and at least you know the community feedback is being listened to. And this is this is going to be in order for you know. 40k and itc and like competitive professional play in order for it to be you know a global phenomenon we're gonna have to have like the community support and the feedback and like when starcraft has some sort of you know issue or exploit you know it takes the you know somebody finds an exploit and then it gets patched you know like that's kind of how it's going to have to be and we have to be willing to accept that sort of thing as a community Yeah, yeah totally
0: Okay, so uh, <clears throat> I have some mission design, uh, game theory kind of uh, proposals or questions that I have. Uh, just I'm just going to release out to the panel, uh, just to kind of get your feelings on, and just kind of open up a little bit more conversation, and then we'll go and move on to the, the final part of the podcast, which is the patron questions. Which there's a lot of really good patron questions. Uh, the first is is I personally feel like every mission should have six objectives. Uh, what is the what is the Pros, cons. Should we keep around six? Should we add more than six? Should there be four objectives only, uh, four or five, six? You know, what's the idea there?
2: Well, I think the um, I don't know if every single one should have six. I definitely think that um, they need to rethink the placements of them so that there's always some in no man's land, mm-hmm. no matter what. Uh, so, like, if, like that one that has four. A diamond-shaped pattern might be better, so there's always two in no man's land, no matter which of the deployments you roll up. Um, the th- uh, oh, there was another one that that sometimes you end up with just the ones. Remember, there was always the draw mission, and the old missions were like um, you had a, one objective in your zone and one objective in the other zone, and everybody's yeah. like, "Well, guess uh, we're going to draw <laughs> this one out." Yeah. Um, but I I don't know about six necessarily. I also don't know about going over six. I've never played with more than six. I guess I should try that out. it kind of be weird. I have played with um, more than six. Have you? Yes. How'd it go?
3: We played a giant uh, Christmas-themed where you had to capture the presents, and uh, okay. the uh, <laughs> after a great Night player did, jumped away with, with one present, I... Complained to the TO that he probably shouldn't let that happen, and he told me that no, it's totally legal. So then I did jumped with all thirty presents away with my boys, <laughs> and we ended the game. So wait, thir- thirty uh, presents? There was you just there, strung out one. Yeah, I just got him with with yeah. one boy, and dip, and it was a like a eight foot board. So I was like out of range of everyone for multiple turns it was nice yeah so I, my my experience so far has not been the most competitive uh when you when you have to do with more objectives but i certainly think it could be interesting as a way of um like I, as like sort of like a fun bonus as well like we we're talking about it's ways to do it like yeah throw every chip you know you guys have on the table and the bonus at the end is like whoever you know holds more at the end of a turn and it's like yeah it's different in each game it depends on how many you have in your bag like i i i am open to doing weird fun stuff but just limiting its its impact on the game to you know 12 points
2: between the two players yeah i mean i think it's something we should definitely look at doing and I mean, I'd be fine if every mission had the same objective numbers. I just think it'd be better if... Um, and I think Stephen wanted to do this with his p- proposals, which was make sure there's always things in no man's land. There's always objectives yeah. that are not in a deployment that's zone. That's the most important. If I could just get one
3: change through, that would be
2: it. So,
0: Okay. Uh, the, the second proposal or question has kind of a follow-up to this one, and that's the... Uh, should we bring back player placed objectives Uh, right now we have set objectives um player placed objectives i always enjoyed player placed objectives the most fun games i always had there were player placed objectives and there was always some sort of uh eventually objective in the neutral zone as long as uh one person didn't play idiotically and that's kind of like the counter the devil's advocate to this is also uh there are going to be instances where a player who knows objective placement theory will absolutely just crush a player who doesn't Um, so what are your thoughts on that
1: i think that objective placement is an art form that is slowly being lost by uh, a lot of the general competitive community Um, and i think that it's something that we should consider putting back into the game it is. It is definitely part of creating a strategy around your like faction, your army. It does it do well holding objectives all together? Does it do well holding objectives that are far apart? You know, being able to make the mission easier for yourself that way is 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 important.
3: I, I would and actually I think, agree with that. Yeah.
1: And I uh, think I think that having that knowledge, not just like knowing which secondaries to pick, or you know, whether to decide to go first or second or, you know, uh, like, how to play the mission specifically. That's all very important. However, you should always... You should also have an opportunity to, um, like, showcase your skill, being like, hey, my army is good at spreading you out, so or your army is good at clumping together, so I need to try and get an advantage by spreading all the objectives out. And I think that just really makes it a more engaging sort of game but maybe doing something like put one in no man's land put one in your opponent's deployment zone put one in your deployment zone like very similar to the five objective mission mm-hmm. and just uh, so that or put some fixed like be like there are four fixed and each player places one there are three fixed and each player places one there is one fixed, E-player places two, you know, that sort of thing. So to kind of, you know, minimize, maybe even one in the middle
3: all the time or something like like that. I, I do definitely recall several games where, I thought my big tough unit was tougher than their big tough unit and then found out wrong and was like, oh no, all the objectives are together. This is bad. <laughs> so, I, I definitely do think that, that there is a skill to that. I think if you do that, it really should be uh, six objectives. Um, because then you do have to start, like, like you were saying, Peter, PD, sorry, like you were saying, you 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 kind of have to end up putting them out in the middle a little bit, or the army that really is going to want to go at the other person puts them out in the middle. So I think that can that can be fine with with six objectives, but doing when you do like the player place with like two or four, then it ends up just
0: being kind of lame. I agree. One other thing that I was kind of uh, thinking about in the same mold is that uh, I think player place objectives with six objectives and uh, not doing it before deployment zones are chosen is pretty cool. Uh, that That's uh, probably yeah. the most, but it might be a little too random also. Um, but uh, yeah, there's just I think there's a lot of options to explore. As Skari said, it's not just the objective placement that's Lost Art, it's the I think where the Lost Art really is is where <clears throat> uh what what we do pregame the pregame stuff uh that includes terrain deployment uh objective placement picking deployment zones uh kind of I love the idea of vetoing deployments or or having the players kind of veto two deployments things like that I feel like there's a lot more that we can add before the game starts that gives players complete agency but we're not at uh, collectively as a community we're not picking them for the sake of efficiency and quickness, uh, and and I don't like that. So yeah, you do point out the the placing the objectives before
3: um, deployment. I think is a really big change that would bring back what Scar was talking about of like, hey, I actually have to just place them close or far, which is much different than, well, I put mine in the back corner because this is my deployment. So like, you, you just end up making the obvious choice.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> and then uh the final one i actually had and i just come up with it and i forgot it so we're just going to skip it and we're going to go right to the patron questions because okay. there are some good good patron <laughs> questions this time <clears throat> all right so for those of you who are new to the podcast first off you can check out all of our podcasts on the frontline gaming network at the frontline gaming.org where you can find 40 gate stat center the art of war signals from the frontline and chapter tactics however uh for the chapter tactics patrons they get, do get to ask questions that we answer live every episode uh, and it can be any question it usually pertains to the topic though not always and this batches this episode's batch of questions was particularly good we have answered a couple of them so there might be some repeats however there's some really good open discussions uh and i, I did get a sense of roughly of kind of some of the questions that the community had or concerns that the community had in general so we're, we're going to jump right into it normally I like to save them for a little bit later however I want to get into these a little bit earlier <clears throat> before we close out the episode close out the episode so the first is uh, Jesse patron Jesse wants to know is it on the table to have salty John's mails from cards idea as an optional format in the ITC packet to ease it into the community uh, Tio can run anything they want of course but most of ones throw away from the ITC packet so um, is it on the table to have Mels Card's idea as an optional format? Uh, and I guess I, I guess that's a question I would answer, um, and the answer is yes, everything's on the table. However, uh, to open it up to you guys, it, should it be something that's on the table uh, that we should consider to adopt directly into the ITC Champions missions? I say yes.
2: I mean, I think
3: it should be considered and then promptly rejected, uh, but <laughs> that's Fair. just me. Uh, <laughs> that's... No, I, I think there's there's ways to do it. I don't think we should take it. I even I I, I know um, that it is definitely less random uh, with the changes. Um, but maybe I just really hate area denial, uh, just with a passion. Uh, so maybe that's that's something that I, I'll need to get over uh, myself before uh, you know talking about our, our personal player biases. Uh, that's definitely one of mine. So I'm gonna try to just I I, I got
2: a blind spot. I just got to admit it's there. I don't know if it should just be like straight up included in the packet and been like, you can totally use these. Um, Or if it should be something more like uh, adding the chart that I was talking about earlier that I know we've discussed about adding as a secondary. Um, I think adding it in as an option in some way, shape, or form would be cool. I just don't know what form that should take, but I think that there should be more diversity put into the missions than there currently is. And I would like that diversity to take the form of things that are more similar to GW missions than less. Mm.
0: All right. Uh, good answers. Next patron question comes out from Mr. Ryan. How important is it for mission design of the ITC to follow the guidance coming from GW in the chapter approved books uh, to keep it easier for new players coming into the tournament scene? So this is actually what we talked about uh, earlier at the beginning of the episode, specifically John Salty John uh, did allude to and then talk about. However, uh, in your guys's opinion, how important is it to cater towards the the more casual scene or or to uh, cater more towards chapter approved missions and incorporating them into the ITC
1: i feel like every independent store and like like hobby place should sort of cater to their local community as much as possible to get, like keep your player base happy you know so you should have the option to do either or
3: I think the mission is really easy. I don't think it's a mission issue that's causing players to be scared of playing an ITC. They don't look at the single page of rules and go, oh my gosh, kill one, hold one. How am I going to keep track of this? They look at the, the players who are super intense and studying it, and maybe they didn't have a good game that one time. They played that guy who they think goes to tournaments. Like... I, I think that's really the thing that a lot of the casual scene struggles with far more than, uh you know two pages of packets. The the chapter approved missions are literally harder than the ITC right now to understand. I don't think that's wrong, I, and I'm not saying that they're wrong by being as complex as they are. I, I'm just saying I don't think that complexity is what's keeping casual players away from tournament scene in the in the in the packet. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, I mean, like I talked about earlier, <clears throat> I don't think it's necessarily like the complexity of the mission that is the barrier to entry. I think the barrier to entry is that it's not what they're used to because it's not what they started with in many cases. Um, and then the type of player, which generally I, I would agree, I think Steve was alluding to this, that it's, it's uh, a misnomer or it's like not fair to label like these guys who seem super competitive because they're really, really into it as like intimidation factors. Um, I think that sometimes there's a little bit of that too going My on. My belly is so intimidating. Uh, <laughs> 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 and uh, um, so I think that some of it is is really just like it's they they started playing one set of missions. This other set of missions was seen as competitive, and even that word in general can like intimidate people. Whatever. Um, I just know mm-hmm. that we've seen that firsthand in our local area. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see more bits of what GW does officially put into the ITC. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be to put in a whole hog, but like if you could take bits and pieces that we think are good and adapt them and so the the missions seem more familiar to people, that would be best.
0: Mm. This is a complete non sequitur, but I think it'd be a really funny idea. So I'd love to see a YouTuber go out and put like Richard Siegler, Brandon Grant, take him to like, you know, Frank's, Frank's hobby store (laughs) and have them play like the alpha casual (laughs) Who's like super anti tournament, but also still pretty competitive, like oxymoronic? And have Richard or Brandon Grant like absolutely wipe the floor with them, kind of like what you see in like the Hidden Grandmaster chess videos. So I think that'd be pretty funny. As an aside, I I haven't visited the
3: store that I learned Warhammer in uh, in ten years. Maybe I could go back and play that guy that you know
0: bullied a twelve year old. Uh, (laughs) Like yeah. Um, but yeah I, I agree with you all i think i think it's very much a um <clears throat> a mentality uh that's that permeates not just in 40k but in most things there's always people who tend to take things more competitively quote unquote tryhards or competitive minded people and then there's always people who'd like to take it a little more casually or maybe focus on other aspects of the game um i, I think that's a dichotomy that exists in gaming in general um and I, I don't i wouldn't know how to solve it right away but i do think it is important to take a step back on the itc missions personally and to uh try and figure out a way to incorporate chapter approved book missions into the itc missions and that's less for player relations uh and more for just uh gw relations so anyways just my opinion uh, moving on to patron Devin, he wants to know, with the push towards everything being more and more standardized, i.e. terrain being the same, people limiting deployment by striking some, et cetera, et cetera are you going down a road that the IC- ITC takes on too much game balancing? Uh, and this is in response to several comments about good players who bring specific lists based on the terrain that they knew they would see and absolutely dominating with them. So <laughs> this is what we talked about earlier. This is a really, really good question, uh, and I'll open the pla- panel up to anyone who wants to answer it.
3: I think it's really fun to look back at what we mentioned at the beginning of this about, you know, what we were doing. I mean, I say we loosely here, but more Frontline Gaming was doing, you know, six years ago when uh, one of the reasons that, you know, we're even, you know, GW is even working with Frontline was because GW released a few broken formations that Frontline went, we can't even balance these. They're just banned. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then they yeah. didn't sell drop pods in the United States. Uh, and then uh, GW was like, oh, I guess we really have to talk to this third party that is writing the rules for our product. Because really, if you look at what these rules are, is it's, it's a form of marketing for their product, right? So as a marketing department, they're controlling, uh, you know, they would want to have a, a lot of say over how their product is getting marketed. So, I think the answer to whether or not we should consider what they're doing is generally no. They should consider what we want. They're the, you know, we're the customers they're marketing to us with this rule set. So, I, whether or not we're we're spending too much time getting involved in game balance, what we were doing before was a ton and what it did was got us the GW of today that actually gives us FAQs and actually comes to tournaments and actually treats us a little bit more reasonably uh so the more we get involved and the more it shows that we want something i think the better and i think that's definitely a
1: humongous point like we have to be invested
3: Oh, I'm invested. Uh, the room I'm standing in. Uh, let me tell you, uh, it's we, we do monthly uh, monthly asset uh, checking and expenses with my wife and I, and I actually have a column that is Warhammer, uh, <laughs> and I will not say what that number is, but there's a couple zeros. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love. That. I was an accountant. What can I say?
0: Awesome. Uh, anything else to add to that John or Skari?
2: no I think I think Steven's points are really good sorry I'm right. ranting uh, no next... it's fine <laughs> it was a good rant I
0: enjoyed it next question uh, patron Donatus wants to know I think there's a problem with secondaries you can score four points on with little effort in one turn uh, a Kingslayer um, on a Greater Demon or Gangbusters on pieces of Nurgle it's because they both use only wounds as a qualifier how would you solve this or do you think that it's okay to keep them left? oh
2: yeah oh wait that's an interesting one. I talked to
3: Reese about Ooh, this I... today. Ooh. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I, I really wanted to add something um, that started to account for uh, armor saves, actually. Uh, so that gangbusters and uh, big game hunter and stuff would actually be more difficult to score against things that have, like, say, a four-up save or worse, or don't have an invul or something like that. Um, because I do, I do think this... Uh, I forget the name, but whoever was asking this question do really... Donatus. Yes, they they have a very good point in that it it does make some like I was you know, I'm really trying to make this fun like orc truck army and I'm like oh my god the secondaries this army gives up <laughs>
2: like, oh. yeah just dude I'm sorry but you can't do yeah that. it's just like <laughs> if you want to win you're games. <laughs> like all
3: right so you start with twelve points and I get to play the game from there like that's that's how it is um, and obviously I mean that's. Like you said, total blind spot. Totally, you know, trying to. So I, I, I really don't want to spend too much time talking about that because, yeah, it's totally unfair. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I think it should be considered.
2: I, yeah, I generally agree. Kingslayer needs to be reworked in some way. Um, I mean, I played, I played, I played knights pretty much since that codex came out, or chaos knights. <laughs> yeah. And I understand that, like, I'm always somebody's always going to take Kingslayer and Titan Slayer against me, yeah. right? So I always just write off that they're going to get eight points. Um, but it would make some of my games closer if like Kingslayer was changed to, I think, I don't remember. If, I changed it I to eight. the suggestion yeah. was, you did change it. it that to, was I suggestion. changed it to eight okay.
3: wounds on Titanic so that you have to be, you have to get full Kingslayer to kill the warlord knight, yeah.
2: which I think that's fair. Right. Which I, I yeah. like that. And I think that's fair too. And I think that it, it does. You can still kill a knight in turn. Yeah, that's not too hard. <laughs> I mean, that's, if your army can't do that, then I don't. The, the, sec- the, the secondary board. doesn't matter um, at that point. Yeah, but but uh, like it, it would at least add a little bit of yeah yeah nuance to it, and, and also make it a little bit more palatable if you weren't just automatically giving up Kingslayer within like the first half of your wounds. Yeah,
3: and and that and that's a big part of the what the changes I was trying to make is I'm not I I, I, I really wanted to get changes through, um, and if you actually want to make changes, it's the like when I was talking to other players and messages, them, like, Hey, these are the changes I want. Like, what do you think? Give me feedback. And I get responses like burn it all down. <laughs> like, I want to play something like that. And I'm like, all right, well then give me a mission and I'll suggest that. Uh, but, and then I didn't get any response. Uh, so, I, <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, of course. that's you? really hard. Um, so I was really trying to focus on just making what we have a little bit better. Um, there's a, there's a saying in the sales that our department uses is, uh, so, relating to not telling the customer about future products basically uh sell what's on the cart uh you know yeah. this is the mission we have let's just make it a little bit better let's try not to get ahead of ourselves and try to make the perfect mission let's just make this one a little bit better
0: okay
3: sorry Scar, yeah, i ran over you there too did you have a response no that's that's okay <laughs> that's no good. i totally i I'm, i don't
0: need to add anything else to that <laughs> um okay <clears throat> Uh, this is a patron. Chris wants to know for large tournaments, why not have terrain preset as well as the map type? So there would be six table types, all with preset terrain. Surely this would speed up pregame as well as allow for more balanced layouts. Uh, (laughs) Why don't large tournaments have more preset terrain? Um, (laughs) I'll let an actual (laughs) TO (laughs) answer this
2: question. I think that uh, part of it is logistics. Like a lot of tournaments simply do not have, Yep. The ability to do that, like LVO, is the biggest tournament in the world, and they could only organize it for the top 100 tables.
0: Hey, 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 hey!
2: You know, we, we have um, like
0: eight or nine terrain standard terrain
2: layouts ish. Oh no, no, I know, but like but you're you right. only had to standardize completely. You're right. for you're that right. top. Yeah, tournament.
1: you're you're a thousand person tournament. Psh.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's insane that the the expectation that like a tournament could do that is hard. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, and. And I also don't like the idea of, like, the terrain being the same no matter what, because then it's another element that's solvable uh, in the equation of, like, how you win this game in the strategic sense. Mm. So, um, I do like the way LVO did it, which was set terrain based upon deployment map.
3: I think you need to do that. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, I do too. Like, what uh, Stephen, you played in the, the Atlanta Open where they yeah. had... Every t- every table was the same,
3: right? Uh, yeah. So the what that meant, uh, was that every every game that you played, um, with their banning map phase, which I don't want to go too much into, but just the results of yeah. it, uh, was that you always played hammer and anvil, <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> right? Or the or pointy hammer and anvil. Uh, right? Well, so regardless of what map you ended up with, you played Hammer and Anvil. Uh, I played Dawn of War. uh, We played Hammer and Anvil. Uh Uh, We both just set up everything in our little L in the corner and faced each other and quite literally, given the room, walked to the opposite ends of the tables and proceeded to play (laughs) Hammer and Anvil despite being Dawn of War. So um, I I think that you do need a lot of... uh, it, it takes a lot of care and a lot of practicing to avoid accidentally getting into that. Um, now, granted, that event was still super fun, and I really like doing it, so I don't want to make that sound like a, uh, a degenerate. It, it was, it was super fun, and I, but I think, uh, I think some
2: were. Well, and they are also the first tournament to ever try yeah. that. No, it was, it was crazy. So, like, Balls that's, on that's those guys going to have <laughs> criticism of it, even because it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs>
1: but I will say, I loved it. Yeah, it was super fun.
0: Mm. Um, I will say uh, one final thing if you're a TO and you're looking to uh, standardize with preset terrain it is a lot easier to go to the FrontlineGaming.org store and buy one of our many ITC terrain <laughs> bundles the standard terrain bundles already come with the mat the terrain, everything you need you just lay it out exactly like the picture if you want uh, and then just buy like 10 of them and tell them Pablo sent you so Reese can give me
2: a uh, promotion <laughs> also you'll you'll get a good deal if you're a to so you should definitely do the necro ones and then make sure you email mitch Pelham about whether or not things can <laughs> oh, go oh <inside>. no <laughs> so mitch. so a like- quick oh sorry go <laughs> go
0: no no go ahead
3: so a quick uh a quick story about uh the the top 100 table so that was uh my suggestion for that um Granted, it's a whole lot easier to suggest something than actually make it happen and get the community to like it. So, huge kudos to Reese and the group for saying that. Because I've tried to get the community to do things, and I've just been called a cheater for even putting those things out. So, um, well, yeah, because obviously you're just looking at a review. Obviously, uh, yes. That's why I wrote an entire new rule set for the game. And it's pre- Okay, never mind. Uh, so... I, I, I was talking to Reese after uh, before the LVL, and I was like, hey, it would be awesome if we could get standardized terrain. I know you had talked about it in previous years. And he's like, dude, it's so much work. You have no idea. And I was like, I don't. You're right. So then I was like, <laughs> all right, what if you just did, uh, you know, and I was like, what if you just picked, like, one kind of thing? And he's like, we don't have that many tables of any of the types. And I was like, no, you totally do. You've got, like, some L's and those rocks. And he's like, oh, I guess we probably do have a 100 tables of that. Um, and, and the reason that I really wanted it was because, uh, I was like, y- you know, the reason that Alex Harrison beat Nick Navadi and me the year before, and he was like, well, uh, what? And I was like, well, he brought planes just not realizing that there'd be boxes on every table and everyone who brought and then the rest of us brought armies to fight in boxes and then we all ended up playing on the same six tables at the top which didn't have boxes so yeah it was more like the yeah that 100 tables uh, that didn't have any boxes right right but and we expected it this year so you know we all brought armies except for Nick who lost round 2 sorry Nick uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh we, he was my number one pick in fantasy <laughs> too huge bummer we well we all we all bought you know uh, armies that would do well in that right so we got what we expected and i guess my point is you know it's it's super lame to kind of like have an expectation and go there and then lose to someone who didn't have any, who just was like, ah, and just kind of like took an army, like, and was better prepared for it. So yeah. I, I much preferred, even though there is a little bit of the gaminess, and like, you know, everyone heard Manny team I'm sure, on his podcast be like, ah, 48 hours before, I just saw it and just messaged all my friends and asked them if they had any Scorpius models. You know, that's like, that does happen, but that's better than him doing that exact same thing with the Scorpius things and. Than getting there and being like, oh, look at this! No one brought any boxes. How convenient! Like, so right. that that was that was where that that came up. Um, I don't think any other tournament really. I mean, maybe there's one or two that that, that qualify. You know, like the, I mean, Adepticon probably would not do anything like that because that's kind of against their ethos. But with Neonova you know, Nova, they have the set terrain, so I, I I think it's just really not worth it for for many other tournaments.
2: Hmm.
0: All right, uh, moving on to the next patron question. Patron Nathaniel wants to know what are some changes we would make to help balance out how difficult it is to score against Marines in ITC? And we'll broaden this out a little uh, to just uh, what are some changes we might make, if any, to make Marines worse? (laughs) Ban the
3: supplements. Yeah, it needs to be something like that. Like, it's real. (laughs) I
2: I mean, I've been baffled by this for a long time. And if you listen to. TFG radio you've heard me rant about it before like I just it's absolutely baffling to me how those rules were released that way and then it's also baffling to me how like the Iron Hands FAQ was like not even good enough (laughs) on on any level (laughs) to like even be relevant in terms of balancing and then the Salamander one was like oh you had this one trait that was semi good we're gonna nerf it so badly that it only want refunds admit. for their supplements book you know <laughs> like i just it's it, it's so crazy to me i mean, I, I joked ban the supplements but also
3: like ban the supplements no it, it, it needs to be something that's strong uh, if you really want to stop
0: them like uh yeah <laughs> and to those of you regular listeners rushing to the comment section of the youtube to complain about the podcast calling out Banning the space marine supplements—that is Salty John's opinion, not my own. <laughs> uh, I, I I can neither agree nor disagree with him. You can uh, at me all you want, although ignore it. Just just saying. Uh, every every time someone mentions, uh, every time someone mentions banning the supplements on this podcast, I always end up being typecast as the guy who wants to ban supplements. However. I'm not against the idea. I'm just, I'm just uh, not on record as against or for the idea completely, one hundred percent. So, anyways, I mean, some of them were okay, but like Iron Hands is
3: so overpowered. So, so my my Iron Hand supplement story is, uh yeah. I had just won the Montreal Warzone Major, six and zero highest battle points. Most of my games weren't even close. And the next week, I went and played. Uh, I'm gonna screw his name up here. Michael Steininger or something like that. And oh, okay. um, great guy, super fun. Just getting into the scene, kind of. Uh, he played Iron Hands. He went, I believe, three and three at LVO this year. Um, and I played him with that Orc army. I went first. I rolled super well, and I got trashed. <laughs> and I literally like yeah. just just you know arm uh, shuffle just in all the orcs into the box just straight like just crying like all right, here they go like into the box. Mm-hmm. so um, and I know a bunch of orc players did really good um, through the year. Congrats to Jeff Poole, holy cow. Uh, but yeah he did really even well. if you talk to him, you know after we were all sitting around and he's like, yeah, I just didn't play any eliminators if I did, I'm pretty sure I lose like right. <laughs> uh, and for me my goal for the year was I wanted to be top 10. So I couldn't play an army where I just play eliminators and lose. Like you yeah. know sure if enough orc players show up with like the good orc list like one of them's going to go 6 and 0 like <laughs> but I I didn't know if that I, I couldn't um you know trust that that was going to be me.
2: Yeah. Like so so Jeff Poole is our league organizer. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um and uh, so when when Iron Hands first hit He's playing in the league and he just, <laughs> my favorite complaint about Iron Hands came from him, which was just like, Jeff is easily like the best player in our area. Obviously, like the guy's made top eight at LVO twice, <laughs> yeah. right? In 8th edition. And he's all, I don't I don't like this Iron Hands thing. Like, he basically was like, I'm losing games to people I shouldn't be losing games to. Yeah, no, and,
3: and that's, <laughs> that was basically my complaint. Which
2: came across is like very, like, you know. Compass, but it was very, very true. Like, you know? Yeah.
3: No, and like, and even in the game I played, like, he deployed his eliminators on the wrong side of the board so my sagmat could be out of range of them, and it still didn't matter. <laughs> like, it, yeah, it didn't just. Matter, yeah. I mean, th- that was, in his defense, it was before the Ironstone Aura nerf, <laughs> so it was just three repulsors sitting, just looking at my Smasher guns and just laughing. Um, yeah, just not dying. <laughs> but yeah. still, like, it's. Even even after the change, you know, it it, it wouldn't have uh, it wouldn't have made a difference. I don't think, you know, I, I really would have stand, stood a chance if I played against any of the top yeah. iron hands players with orcs. But when I played with my raven guard, I was like, yeah, I definitely do stand a chance. Yeah,
2: yeah. well, because even with any of those, even with that nerf to the ironstone, you still had <laughs> so many good <laughs> options in iron hands that it literally didn't matter yeah. that they nerf the most OP yeah. thing because the whole thing was just written in a way that was like, oh, did did you play this? It's,
3: it's amazing. More than once? It's, it's amazing how you can have <laughs> All right. the student of history <laughs> and, and the best psychic powers in the game in the army, and right. they just
0: don't even take them because they're like, eh, <laughs> don't need All yeah. right, I, I can, I can hear the Iron Hands successor chapter <laughs> casual players rushing to the YouTube oh, comment section now. So hey, we'll go guys, move on guys enjoy.
3: Enjoy it while you can. It's not going to last forever.
0: <laughs> so, uh, next patron question. Uh, Ant wants to know, uh, will power level continue to, be, continue to be a deciding factor in mission design as points costs dramatically change? Uh, oh, I hope not. Yeah, I, oh, I hope hate not. power levels. I personally hate yeah. that, too. I, I, um, antiquated. I think,
2: I think you suggested getting rid of it for the, for the one mission, right, Steven?
3: Yeah, so... Like I, I, my uh my so mark for death is a secondary which uses power level. That's the one. And uh and I said, "Well, make it 6 so you can at least target marine units cuz they're all power level 6." <laughs> and I was like, "Or yeah. just get rid of it or think of another secondary. I'm not yeah. so I'm like I'm not too points. convinced on either
2: of those options. Just do one of them." I've been building a uh, gray knight list cuz that's what I'm going to play I think for the majority Gosh, of the beginning of the season. such a try hard, John. And, uh, yeah, I know. it's yeah. the worst. So, uh, although I did try playing Grand Nights at the beginning Oof. of 8th, too. So, that was, you know, rough. But, uh, and so I've been building them, and I keep looking at the power level next to the points when I'm done building the list. And I'm always like, how is this list 155 power level but only 2,000 points? <laughs> That's amazing. So, power level definitely is not a good indicator, I think, of things, and we probably should not use it. Yeah, I think
3: uh, Death Guard uh, Plague Marines are my favorite for that. They're like... It's, like, 70 points and, like, power level, like, 12.
0: Like, it's something... It's <laughs> ridiculous. Like, <laughs> even just, like, five of them. Is, I don't... Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got two tandem questions by two different people that are kind of this similar um, versus uh, Ben wants to know, are we likely to see more ITC secondaries designed to punish skew lists uh, for incentivizing balanced list design? And then, uh, follow-up, do you think secondaries should stop trying to target the meta... Uh, with and just let everything um lay as it lie with uh, good solid secondaries so should we continue to target the meta and um uh, are we likely to see
2: I mean I don't know what we're gonna get, but I think that they've always kind of targeted yeah, the meta totally in should. a certain way but then they shape a new one by doing so so it's like you could create secondaries to target your old meta or go back or yeah, I mean that's why that's they're if you what they're
1: don't do. if you don't it'll it stagnates
3: okay yeah yeah. That's right. Fair.
1: So if you you have to challenge the meta, don't pull a like, GW you know,
3: and nerf yesterday's list.
1: You know if <laughs> if you 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 have to you have to challenge the meta. Like if you don't challenge the meta, then then it's just going to be the same thing over and over. Things have to change, and it might not be something that we agree with, but you have to have change.
2: Hmm.
0: All right. Uh, patron Nathan wants to know: um, should should uh, making prepared positions the stratagem free? Is that something that might make it better for armies that they go second? I think there was a second question, uh, Pablo on the on that last one. Uh, do you are you in the patron group?
3: Uh no, no. You just
0: said this one's two questions. And oh no, there was that one. was I I said both of them. I gave I gave you both questions oh, okay. once. I just didn't name the second person. Okay.
2: Yeah, they were essentially the same. Yeah. Or they were linked. Okay. Yeah.
3: Well I think I think it was uh about the stat... Uh, Targeting skew list? Do you think
0: secondaries should stop? Oh, yes. Yeah. The first question was, are we likely to see more ITC secondaries designed to punish skew lists? So my response to that was, I think that just kill
3: secondary should stack. Um, that was, I think, a fairly decent change or uh, size-like suggestion. Because um, I just think that only comes up in lists that skew. Um, I, specifically the kill secondaries. Obviously, you shouldn't have, like, Engineers shouldn't stack because that'd be stupid. But uh, like the if if someone brings a list where you can get Reaper three times and you kill two hundred and forty of their models, like they deserve to
0: lose twelve points for that, in my opinion. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so uh, like patron Nathan said, um, should we make survival? Or should we make prepared positions free as a free stratagem? Kind of like bring back night fighting. So to speak, is that something that might help with the Alpha Strike? <laughs> not against Marines. I think
1: yeah. terrain <laughs> I think terrain has a bigger value. What I, this might sound like a radical idea, but something that I think would be worth considering would be not having even terrain. And then uh, making the person who uh who picked deployment zones go
2: second.
0: Hmm.
1: What? so if you to 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 prevent to prevent alpha strikes
2: so you have asymmetrical terrain and then the person asymmetrical terrain the person who picks deployment
1: zone would go second but get a slight advantage in terrain whereas the person who goes first would have to give up the terrain aspect or even an objective aspect but have like less terrain cover so if you're building a heavy alpha strikey super list the person can pick a better terrain site and hide for example.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I,
3: I would, I would like that. I just don't think we've seen a really good way of setting up asymmetrical terrain that isn't, that is the right amount of
2: asymmetrical.
3: Um, I think, actually...
2: Right, because asymmetrical shouldn't be like, hey, this corner's full cool and this corner... <laughs> exactly. Big. Like, if you have
3: enough terrain yeah, no, that, like, works like actually can't shoot at you, I mean, I'm to bring it back to my favorite army, which everyone should play. <laughs> uh, the You know, they, they have no out-of-line-of-sight shooting. Um, I think the only line-of-sight shooting they did have uh, is now illegal due to index, in case you wanted to pay 33 points for a strength 5 guard mortar. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, with if, if you have enough terrain with that, like, you could... Be like, all right, go first, orcs, shoot all of your stuff. You can't see anything, I win. So, I, I think if there was a more balanced amount of out of line of sight shooting between different factions, then I think it would be a lot easier to make the asymmetrical terrain. But as it is, the asymmetrical terrain would have an out of an outsized impact on certain armies and not on others.
0: And as mm-hmm. someone who would get screwed, I'm very sensitive to that. <laughs> Alright, uh, next question patron Chris wants to know, uh, while usually competitive play focuses on removing randomness to better reward player skill, uh, couldn't increasing randomness help mitigated over-centralized risks uh, and encourage a list, list diversity design?
3: What does he think a diverse list is? Uh, I don't know. I yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you kind of need to define that before talking about so I, how you're I, going to Make it one go.
0: So I think I think where where Chris is going with this is that uh, if you if you have randomness to help mitigate uh, basically players breaking the meta or fixing the meta, uh, you will get players maybe organically naturally uh, playing different lists or playing more towards their style uh, instead of instead of playing the list or fixing or breaking. That's I I think that's what he's trying to go with there is is that is randomness create. Uh, less people not breaking the game or, or solving the game like the Brohammer team.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the randomness element will naturally make it so that you can plan for less it's because you have to plan for more. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much impact it'll actually have on lists. I think it'll have more of an impact on um, lists that were absolutely untenable. Like, you could not take them at all. Uh, you could potentially take and because of the randomness of something like a maelstrom be able to at least hold your own and compete. Um, but I don't know if it'll do anything to like stop the netlist thing. Like you're never going to stop netlists, mm-hmm. You know, it's just not and, possible. And go ahead,
1: yeah. Sorry. No, no I, I agree. I, I just, I just want to, like, it's very hard to sort of build that in.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. All, all right. Final question. We were running out of time, everyone. Uh, patron Monty wants to know, specifically, Scary recently wrote an article about how to plan and play for meta armies. Given the possibility of a shakeup to the game itself, I'd be interested in how others think someone can or should approach playing something they know is off meta, as well as how to approach list building in the period where the meta itself might be completely unknown. Scary, is that something you can do for him?
1: Yeah, so I, I wrote an article on how to play with lists that are not or like with an army that's not currently the top of the meta. Mm-hmm. So that was like, so, um, you know, I, I've i been playing with Dark Eldar forever and it was like five, like, think strategies or things that I use that sort of help me play better in, or use these lists that aren't like the best. So... I. The biggest thing is stickativity. Is yeah, uh, you know, out of all those things, I'd want to say you have to really believe in in what you're doing and and not give up. You know, in a in a in a meta that's right now, you know, there's Marines everywhere, and your characters keep on dying to Eliminators, and you, know, you might be frustrated at the game because <laughs> you know it's not what it's not what you envisioned, and you know that little toy soldiers would be like. You know, a lot of the times it just you just have to kind of take it on the chin and understand that it's not going to be forever. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's super important.
0: Ooh. All right. That is it. I'm going to call it quits there. There were uh, actually a couple more questions that we'd answered in the episode earlier. Thank you so much patrons for an- asking those questions. There were a lot of really good ones in there. Also, if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. If you want to win something cool or ask questions at the end of every episode. All right. Thank you so much, Skari, John, and Steve, for coming on. Quick plugs. John, I know you have to go, so we'll start with you first. For anyone who's interested in what you have to say, where can they find you?
2: Uh, So I write a weekly article for Frontline Gaming. Um, Usually it has to do with what's going on in the ITC, what the standings are. Um, Early on in the season like this, I've been taking advantage of it to talk about different things like mission design um and things like that but it eventually turns into what's happening in the itc itself in terms of standings i also do tfg radio with uh adam solis and danny ruiz two of the other lvo judges and then tom another one of our locals who plays around here um so if you want to catch that you can just go to tfgradio.com and download uh, the episodes from there all right perfect
0: all right john i know you got to get off buddy cool
2: thanks man i
0: appreciate it okay Steve, the mean, lean Pamperine, That was so much better. You'll, you'll get life. it eventually. <laughs> he 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 just he just says it just naturally. He just always says it. He's just like, it's part of his day. I think he wakes up in the morning with his bowl of cereal and just and just calls you anyways. So, uh, Steve, Mr. Pamperine, what can where can people find you at all? Also, uh, I know there was one thing that you didn't get to bring up. If you want a real quick cop on your soapbox, about the drop pod rolling, oh. it's really up to you.
3: <laughs> no, John's not here to defend himself, so uh, All right, maybe fair, I'll fair, leave fair. that alone. Okay. Uh, no, uh, I was, my plug that I've done is I just always say, go visit the Stats Center. Uh, Peter and Val are pretty awesome, and uh, they really, uh, Peter especially, have really helped me a lot and uh, get ready and find out what the meta is before other people, so... Always uh, always do that, and also uh, if you don't mind um, putting in a link to the proposal in this one, uh, and feel free to follow it and leave comments. Uh, I still read them and get emails about
0: it. So, Well, we will do that. And finally, Scarry, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Where can they find you?
1: You can find me sitting in my chair at home. No, I'm... Uh... <laughs> I am... <laughs> you can... <laughs> Um, I like laughing at my own jokes. So I'm Skari. You can find me on the Art of War coaching team at the Art of War 40k and or um, YouTube, where you can find me on the YouTube channel, Scardcast, where we do a whole bunch
0: of videos, battle reports, and more. Mm. And if you're torn and you're not some sort of 40k philanthropist uh, between who you want to support, I highly recommend... Supporting Skari at Skardcast because he his interaction with his patrons is absolutely amazing. We're talking like videos every day and awesome, good stuff as well. So you flatter me, sir. It's all it's all to enslave you for the cabal, of course. <laughs> How, however, yes, it's a front. Yes, but but uh, I think we can all willingly go along for as long as he paints and gives us really good tactics advice. All right. Thank you so much for listening. You are all, of course, the best listeners in the world. This has been another episode of Chapter Tactics coming in at a brisk, fast pace of 155 under two hours. That's lightning fast for Chapter Tactics episode.
2: And as always, have a good one.